the order he knew them from when he, the one he knew the most to last, my order's the opposite. Jackson, I've known the longest, and the other two have kind of come along lately, but uh, grateful for our graduates. We had one more this past Wednesday, Jesus Sandoval, who's going to the military, um, like next week, I believe. So uh, keep these kids in your prayers, their next journey. We've all, if you've been there, you know what an exciting time this is, but you also know what's ahead of them. So keep them in your prayers as they take their next steps. So... I thought the most fitting thing to do on Memorial Day weekend is to start this new series about being a warrior. And when you think of a warrior, I wonder what comes to your mind when you think of, of a warrior. And, and so for me, I thought about a few things, and I thought about, uh, for example, the picture of a samurai warrior. And, and a samurai warrior, you know, I love all those old Japanese movies about these samurais, and, and they were, history tells us they were fierce warriors they were fierce warriors and so maybe when you think of a warrior you think of someone like like a samurai like these guys look like they can take care of business right maybe uh, more fitting for our uh this weekend maybe you think of, of a, someone in the military particularly these are pictures of navy seals navy seals are the elite of the elite and we'll talk more about them in the coming weeks actually they are the elite of our military the baddest of the bad, the best of the best. They go places and do things that nobody would, would want to hear about or do. They do it to protect our freedom. And now my favorite of all, of my, my favorite warrior of all time, however, and I'm really shallow, just so we're clear, uh, is the next one. That's my favorite warrior of all time. <laughs> Batman is bad to the bone. I'm telling you right now. Of all the, and I love my comic book heroes and my movie heroes, Batman, even this last rendition of, uh, he's my favorite. Because Batman can overcome anything and everything. And I think he might have figured out this Avengers thing a little faster than they did, but that's a whole another story for another day. But we think of these people, you know, warriors are people who, who can just do amazing things. But I want to share one more picture of a warrior. And, and that's this. A prayer warrior. So here's what I'm telling you. If you are a Christian, you've been called to the life of a warrior. That's what you've been called. You don't have to pick up a sword or a gun or, you know, you don't have to go to some, some place and do some crazy things. But if you are a Christian, God has called you to live the life of a warrior. And in my opinion... All joking aside, there is nothing more fierce on this planet than a prayer warrior. Nothing. No warrior more fierce than a prayer warrior. And so maybe you're thinking, well, I'm not so sure that that belongs on the list. Maybe not the way I pray. So we're going to talk about that today. So let's understand what a warrior is first. A warrior is a person who specializes in combat or warfare, right? I mean, it's a specialist. And so you understand that prayer is a specialty. That the greatest weapon at our disposal, if you have a relationship with Jesus, the greatest weapon at your disposal is prayer. With prayer, you can overcome anything. You can get through everything. You can get strength you didn't know you had, courage you didn't know you had, comfort you didn't know was available. I mean, prayer provides all sorts of things for you. It is the greatest weapon at your disposal. And there are people who are prayer warriors, and there are prayer warriors. 
And I'll tell you really quick about one such lady. Um, I only met her one time. And to me, she was always Mrs. Brown. She lived in central Indiana. Her son was an elder at one of the churches that, that we served years and years and years ago. Mrs. Brown was a fierce prayer warrior. And so in the days before e personal email, smartphones, Facebook, this thing some of you remember called MySpace. If you don't remember that, you're not missing anything at all. All right. And the day before social media and the day before people had phones in their pockets and you had to be at home to get a phone call or stop your car and go to a pay phone to make a call. Some of y'all remember what that was like. The rest of y'all be thankful that you don't have to worry about that. Mrs. Brown was such a fierce prayer warrior that people called her from all over the United States of America and asked her to pray. And this is how it started. She got a reputation in her church that if something was going on, if you, you, need, you talk to Miss Brown and she'd pray for you. And that kind of spread into the community. And then it kind of spread into the county. And then the next thing you know, she's getting phone calls from people all around Indiana. You know, hey, I, I know you don't know me, but would you pray for that? Oh, absolutely, I would. And then she starts getting calls from people in surrounding states. And pretty soon, she started getting calls from people from all 50 states. Asking her to pray for things. Total strangers who understand that there's nothing more fierce than a prayer warrior. There's nothing more fierce. There's nothing, there's no power greater to your disposal than the fact that you can communicate with the Creator anytime and anywhere. Our biggest problem with prayer, if I'm just going to be blunt and honest, is I think we've kind of dumped it down a little bit. I think we've taken prayer and we, we've kind of made it into something God never intended it for be. So we're going to talk about that today. So understand this. Okay, so here's a warrior. A warrior is a person who prays as if everything depends on God. All right? You pray, your prayer life says Whatever's happening today, if God's not in it, it's not going to happen. If God's not a part of it, it's not going to happen. If God's not in it, I don't want it to happen. It's, and so while prayer is this amazingly powerful weapon, it's also pretty simple. It, it's pretty simple. My favorite prayers are the simple ones because, as you know, I'm a simple guy, right? Simple works for me. So when I was growing up, I learned the prayer that maybe some of you did, maybe many of you did, and it went something like this. I would kneel at my bed, and I would, one, I would go first because I was the oldest, because there were perks of being the oldest, and then my brother would pray the same prayer for me, and it would go like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And then I would pray for everyone in the house, including my dog, Doxy. That's what I did. Even prayed for my brother. That's about the only time, you know, we kind of had that going. It's a really simple prayer that I prayed almost every day of my childhood. Problem is, sometimes we don't get beyond that simple prayer. And the other problem is, we don't understand how powerful that simple prayer is. Or the meal prayer. 
God is great. God is, that's my favorite, the meal prayer, right? God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for the food by his hands we are fed. Give us, Lord, a daily bread. Amen. Now, I have a rule. If you've eaten lunch with me, you know the deal. If you pray a long time, you don't pray before I eat a meal. Meal prayer should be quick and simple and to the point. That's the way it works. If you're going to pray a paragraph, you should eat with somebody else. Or let me pray. Because there's food on the table. God is great. God is good. It's a simple prayer, but it's a powerful prayer. My favorite prayer of all time, until my granddaughter starts praying, and then this will change. But until then, my favorite prayer of all time, and I've told some of you this story, was at CCF one night. And uh, we are getting ready for the meal. And there's like 40 or 50 kids there. All right, we need someone to pray. This kid named James. I'll pray. All right, everyone. He said, everyone bow your heads. We all bow our heads. Puts his head down and he goes, thanks. And nothing. (laughs) And we're all sitting there with our eyes closed. And James is in line getting his food. (laughs) Because he's done. And we used to think that was the funniest thing. But the truth is, he said everything that needed to be said. And a word. It was simple. It was powerful. It said everything in a word. So let's understand this whole idea of of prayer and how powerful prayer is. Think about the the going to bed prayer. You know, because some people go, well, I'm going to teach my kids something else. I'm going to go against, and that's fine. What you do with your kids is your business. But here's what you might be missing out on. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. You teach your kids that, you, that they are in God's care when they go to bed. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take you. Teach your kids that no matter how bad life gets, God is watching over them. Simple. Powerful. God is great which we just spent four or five weeks talking about. God is good, which Jesus said is such an amazing, you know, Jesus and, and this whole idea of God being good, when the rich young ruler called him good, he said, why do you call me good? Only God is good. It is a deep well to talk about God is good. And maybe one day we'll, you know, pull a bucket up and we'll dive into that well. But until then, that is a deeply powerful thought. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. We teach our children that what they're about to eat came from God. Not from the garden, not from the grocery store, not from the oven, but from God. By his hands, we are fed. Not mama's, not daddy's, not McDonald's. God, give us Lord our daily bread. Give us what we need to sustain ourselves. Simple prayers that teach amazingly powerful truths. Now, my problem was my kids, the older they got, they liked simple prayers. They liked to say them. They probably said them a little longer than they should, especially the the meal prayer. But my son is like me. Get it quick. Get it simple. Let's eat some food, right? So simple prayers can be the most powerful of prayers. T.W. Hunt in his book, The Doctrine of Prayer, describes prayer this way. He says, prayer must be built on the foundation of the sovereignty and the character of God. And those two simple prayers, the go into bed prayer and the eat in your meal prayer, lay out the foundation of God's sovereignty and his character. They just lay it out there. And it's so simple that sometimes we don't even realize it until we get older and we figure it out. So what happens? Because this is what studies tell us. 
The older we get, the less we pray. Children pray. Here's how you need to know. You got a bunch of people gathered together. I need someone to pray for the meal. This is what adults do. Kids are like this. Me, me, me. I'll do it. Me, I'll do it. Uh, Anybody? No, me, me. I'll do it. Because kids love to pray. So the question is, what happens? Well, this is what I think happens. I think we get a little cynical about prayer. If you've ever been late for work and you couldn't find your car keys, what do you do besides yell at everybody? I mean, other than that, God, I need to find my keys. I can't be late again. I'm going to get fired. God, I got to get my keys. I got to get my kids to school on time. God, help me, help me, help me, help me. And when you find your keys, oh, thank you, God. Driving down the road, going 75 in a 45. Sorry, Jamie. And you get this, and you see this, and you see um, a patrolman who's there not to protect your freedom, but to invade on your rights to go way fast, right? So what do you do? God, please, please, please. Now, if you shut your eyes, you're crazy. God, please, please help me. Don't let him see me. Don't let him see me. Shield me. I promise I'll slow down. And somehow you get through. And then you thank God for it. As if it was God that did it. Simple things we pray about all the time. Can't find a report. Um, I got all this going on. God, help me with this. God, help me. With, I mean, we do that, right? And God always helps us find the keys. Seems to shield us from the state patrolman, right? Helps us find our report. Helps us get our kids to school one time. God, it's my fault the kids are late. Please don't let them. They just can't be late one more time. Let, this, let them slip through. And, we, and, and well, God gives us all the little stuff, right? So what happens when your wife has cancer or your mom has Alzheimer's or your kids are sick or your grandson or granddaughter's in crisis and we pray those prayers and there's nothing funny about them right and it gets frustrating right so God, you, you, you help me find the keys, but you can't take care of my mom? God, I mean, I mean you, you saved me from the state patrol, but my, my, my dad's dying. And so what happens is a couple things happen. Some people just quit praying. Just why bother? Why, why, why bother? I'm praying and God's not doing, so you know what? I'm out. And that's what some people do. And maybe that's where you find yourself or someone you know. Some people, however, they they do something different. They pray harder, more fiercely. And I don't mean because they believe in the power of prayer. I mean because they think they can convince God to con them into giving them what they want. Because sometimes we think, God, if I pray about this really hard and I never let it go, God will just, you know what, I give up. Or, you know, he must really want that bad. You know, he keeps praying about that. You know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do that for him. Because that's what we learned as kids, right? We, any, I'm giving away a secret, right? Sometimes they wear us out with their asking. We just go, just go. Because we just want, and sometimes we think our prayer life works that way. And we, and we oh, just, I'll just do it. But that's not how prayer works. One of the biggest problems with prayer One of the reasons I think we we have such a struggle is we have a default mode of prayer because here's the deal. Jesus said in the Bible, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can tell a mountain to to move 
And, and, and you can do that. Now, I don't really understand the complexity of that and what that means. And, you know, that's a little deeper than just telling, the, you know, a tree to, you know, I can't tell a tree to lay down there, but there's some powerful truths in that. And so our prayer life becomes something like this. Give me, help me, lead me, guide me, protect me, show me. Me, 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 me. Give me, help me, give me, you owe me, I've been faithful, support me. Now, before you say it, and you're kind of thinking this maybe, well, aren't we supposed to ask for stuff? Absolutely. Absolutely. You should have give me, help me, lead me, guide me, protect me, show me, support me prayers. You should. That can't be all, all there is to your prayer life. And for far too many people, that's all our prayer life has been reduced to. Give me, help me, lead me, guide me, protect me, show me, support me, comfort me. And we miss the point of prayer. The prayer is not about getting something from God. So I want you to think about this. And this is not original with me, but think about this. What if the point of prayer has nothing to do with getting God to do something? and everything to do with learning to lean into God. Now think about that for a second. What if the whole point of prayer has nothing to do with God doing stuff for us, but teaching us to trust God for everything? Leaning into God instead of standing on our own and asking God to give us what we want so we can stand on our own. Your prayer life should consist of give me, help me, lead me, guide me, support me, comfort me. It should. But there's got to be so much more to prayer than that. And so in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. And it's a very uh, familiar passage to a lot of folks. <coughs> Excuse me. In fact, one of, the <coughs> one of the coolest things that happened this year when uh, our, our girls and soccer team was at the end of every game, whether we won or lost, and we didn't lose a lot, but when we lost, they would invite the other team to the middle of the field, and they would circle, and they would recite the Lord's Prayer. It's a cool little thing. It wasn't coach-led. It was a, the girls. It's what they wanted to do. It's what they, it's what they do. Sometimes we kind of take the Lord's Prayer, and we recite that, and that's a really cool thing because it reminds us of the importance of prayer and, and God's provision in our life. But, you know, when Jesus said, this is how you pray, that's not what he meant. It's okay to do it. I'm not trying to say we shouldn't. So Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, and he taught some really amazing things that maybe we've, you've missed. So here's the first thing we learn from Jesus, and this is a tough pill to swallow. There is a wrong way to pray. And maybe you're thinking, no, there's not. Jesus says there is. So this is, what Jesus, this is what Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 5 and 7. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues and where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. Verse 7 says this. When you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Here's what Jesus is saying. There is an absolutely wrong way to pray. And if you think saying a whole lot of words is going to get you somewhere with me, that's the wrong way to pray. 
If you think impressing people with your, with your churchy words, that's the wrong way to pray. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. It's all about the why, right? So there are all kinds of different ways that people pray, right? And so there are people who pray to be heard. They pray eloquent prayers because they want everyone to know how spiritual they are. Jesus said, as soon as everyone knows how spiritual they are, they got what they wanted. They got their reward. When everyone goes, man, he's a great prayer, Jesus said, they got it. That's it. That's what he says. And there are people who like to pray with these and thouts and arts and all those things. There's nothing wrong with that unless you're doing it to show people how holy you are. I'm not like these newfangled people. I pray the old school way. To which a man said to me once, to which I said, Latin? Because if you're not doing that, you're not doing the old school way. So sometimes people pray with thousands and these because that's the reflection of their, their relationship with God. And that's okay. Sometimes people do it to impress people. Jesus says, as soon as you said the words, you've gotten your reward. There's a wrong way to pray. And here's what you need to know. And I'm fond of saying this. The why matters. How matters. Why matters more. Why you do what you do matters to God greatly. And when you pray, the why matters. Am I praying to impress people? Am I praying to talk to the creator of the universe? Jesus said, there's a wrong way to pray. But Jesus also tells us that where we pray is important. Now, once again, I know what you're thinking. I'm not so sure about that. But Jesus said there is. So hang with me for a second and we'll explain it. Verse 6 says this. When you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. So there's a trend. Go to a room. Close the door. Be by yourself. It's you and it's God. And here's what I, here's what I want you to understand. The point is not you have to pray in your room or you even have to shut the door. The point is not that you can't pray in your car. The way some people drive, they should pray in their car. I'm just saying. When, when I'm coming down the road and there's some, let's just call them, intelligent, highly intelligent driver who sees six cars and goes, I think I can pass them all before I get to Aiken. I, there's a lot of praying going on, and he's not, but I am. It's happened three times. Some folks need to learn how to drive, so some folks need to pray. Doesn't mean you can't pray when you're driving. I'm not trying to say that. Doesn't mean you can't say a prayer before you take your test, before the meeting. Not trying to say that, because we should do all those things. But if that's all you have, Jesus says that's not enough. If you pray, well, you know, there's people, and I've got a friend. I pray in the car. That's great. I pray when I'm driving. That's great. Hope you don't close your eyes. Well, because it's the only time I have to pray. And we'll get to that in just a second. It's my time with God. And I always want to say, no, it's your time with other people on the road and God. That's, that's what that is. Here's the point. It's not that you can't pray in those situations. Jesus says, in your prayer life, there should be a time where it's you and it's him with no distractions. A place that you can go where there is nobody. Turn off your cell phone. <gasps> It'll come back on, I promise. 
shut off the TV, sit on the front porch, sit at the kitchen table, sit in a deer stand. Well, I didn't matter. Go to the lake. Sit in your room and close the door. Do what you want to do. But the point Jesus is trying to make is not that you can't pray all the time because the Bible says pray all the time, pray without ceasing. What he's trying to say is that there is a time and there should be a time and a place in rhythm of your life with God where it's you and God and nobody else. In rhythm, in season, there should be a time where it's just you and it's just God. And I'm telling you, prayer warriors, get that. They do. So I, I, I love this when people go, you know, I, I really like to do this, but, but I don't have time. You just don't know my schedule. And you just want to say, well, I know Jesus' schedule. He took time to die for you. You, you, you can't take, you know, a few minutes to talk to him. Let me say this. Won't be the first time you hear me say this. If you are so busy that you can't carve out some time of your day to spend with God alone, you are way, way too busy. And you need to find something to cut back on. Too busy for God who sent his son to die for us on the cross. Jesus says you can pray all the time, but there's got to be a time where it's just you and the Lord and nobody else. Because understand, that's you, the creator. And there may be a million people praying at the same time, but he hears your prayers. And he hears the cry of your heart, which we'll get to that in just a second. But he also tells us what to pray. And this is where it gets a little personal. So verses 9 through 13 says this, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, the message says it this way. Same thing. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best as above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're a blazing beauty. Yes, yes, yes. Jesus is not saying, okay, when you pray, you have to recite these words. It's not it's what he's saying. He also doesn't say that you can't, it's, you don't, that you can't do that because that's okay too. Much like there should be a time where it's just you and the Lord in rhythm of your prayer life with God, there should be some themes that start to arise. Not with every prayer necessarily and maybe not even every week. But there should be some things that in your time with God, you begin to acknowledge because that's what he's trying to teach the disciples. And that's what he's trying to teach us. That as you communicate with the creator, there are some things that need to come out. There are some things that need to be said. There are some things you need to be aware of. There are some things you need to be grateful for. So once again, maybe not every single prayer, I'm not trying to say that, but in the rhythm of your prayer life, there are some things that are really important to God. For example, we need to acknowledge God's holiness. We acknowledge God's holiness. You know, the Bible tells us that we're holy, but we're only holy because God makes us holy. We're not holy because we're awesome. We're holy despite the fact that we're not awesome. We're holy despite the fact that Jesus Christ gave his life for us while we were still sinners. That's what the Bible tells us in Romans. 
God makes us holy, and God is holy. And one of the things that Jesus teaches the disciples is that somewhere along the way in your prayer life, you need to acknowledge the holiness of God. And if you're thinking right now, I don't really get that, here's a really cool thing. Start praying about it. And I think you'll get it. But, but along with that, we also need to acknowledge that we are here to build God's kingdom and not ours. So we need to acknowledge in our prayer life that, you know what, I got a lot of stuff going on, but I'm not here for my kingdom. I'm here for your kingdom. Man, I got, I got so much going on with school, at work, with graduation, with this, with that. I got all these things going on. I'm going from this job to that job. Man, I'm just so busy and crazy, and I'm trying to build a company or whatever the case may be. But somewhere along the way in prayer, we need to be reminded that we are here to build not our kingdom, but his kingdom. Because it's real simple. It's real simple. This is real simple. You have two choices. You can spend your life building your kingdom, or you can spend your life building his kingdom. And when you, build, you spend your life building his kingdom, the kingdom you build is for his benefit. When you spend your life building your kingdom, it's, it's to no benefit for his kingdom. When you spend your time building his kingdom, everything you do, is a, it's, he blesses and he touches. Everything that we do is a reflection of who he is to us. And he allows us to build our kingdom, whatever that looks like. And it's different for everybody. But we need to acknowledge that we're here to build his kingdom. We also need to acknowledge that God is the source of provision and forgiveness. Now, what I didn't read, to stop reading, was the next part of the Lord's Prayer. Where he stopped and he kind of gave a sidebar, a disclaimer. Talking about forgiveness. He said, here's, and here's what he said. If you can't forgive people, God will not forgive you. And I can tell you of all the things, of all the things that I've spent 30-something years in ministry dealing with, this is the one that really gets people fired up with me. This is the one I've had a lot of conversations about. You don't know what I'm going through. Nope. God does. He understands. He does. But he also said that if you want to be forgiven... You have, to be for, you have to forgive. Well, I don't want to do that. Okay. I don't know how that's going to work out for you, but that's between you and the Lord. When you acknowledge that God is a source of forgiveness and all provision in your life, now I lay me down to sleep, God is great, God is good, that's what those things do. When you acknowledge that God is a source of provision and forgiveness, it forces us to learn to forgive others. And that may take some time. There may be someone who's really messed up and that may take a lot of time. If it does, it's okay. It, it really is. The other thing Jesus teaches us is we acknowledge that we lean on God for strength to overcome Satan. And if you think Satan is not interested in your life, you are crazy. If you're a Christian, he's interested in your life because all he wants to do is drive a wedge between you and the Lord. And if you think you can take Satan on by yourself, you are crazy. A lot of people have tried, and they all fail epically. I mean, it's epic failure. So our prayer life at some point in time should acknowledge that God is the source of strength, and Satan is a tempter, and we can't overcome him without God. But with God, we can do anything. We can do everything with God. And our prayer life should reflect that. The last thing he talks about is this, that we acknowledge that God and God alone is the source of rescue, 
and that he is all we need. And that's a common thing that kind of goes in all of our life. That we are lost and broken, shattered, and, and we are wandering. And it is God who rescues us and God alone. You know, I can't save somebody from hell, but I can introduce someone to Jesus so he can save them. I can't save someone from their brokenness, but I can get them to church, introduce them to Jesus so he can save them. That's my job. Prayer teaches me to do my job. Now, there's another part of prayer that's really important I want to hit on before we leave here today. And, and, and it is the part that we don't think about. But if you're a parent, you probably have, you just didn't realize it. So there are, there are a lot of things that I really love. And one of the things I love is, and we don't get to see her often, is any sound my granddaughter makes. Any sound is a beautiful sound. Screaming, crying, laughing, any sound is a beautiful. I have a video from when she was born in the hospital of her crying. My brother said that's morbid. I said, no, that's beautiful. Because that's my baby crying. Because I love the sound of her voice. When all of our family's together, and we sit down at a meal, whether it's at a table or a restaurant, at some point in time, somebody says something, and the laughing starts. And the cutting up starts, and the picking on starts. And I love it. I love being a part of it, but I love hearing the voices, the sound of my kids' voices. I love it. On a much greater scale, why should I pray? Because God loves to hear the sound of your voice and the cry of your heart. God loves hearing you talk. God loves hearing you express what's on your heart. God loves that. And so we think, or maybe we've come to believe that you know, I pray because God needs me to pray. All right? I mean, that's what it sounds like. God loves the sound of my voice, so God needs me to pray. No, that's not the case at all. So here is a reoccurring theme we're going to talk about for the next few weeks. And it's all going to come down to this every single time. Why should I embrace the life of a warrior? Why should I pray? Why, should it, why does it matter that I find a time to, with me and the Lord. Why, why does it matter? Why does it matter that, that how I pray matters? Why does it matter that when I pray? Why does all that matter? And here's the simple truth. The greatest benefit of prayer is that prayer is for your benefit. Prayer is not for God. Prayer is for you. Prayer is not for God, it's for me. God doesn't need me to pray. I need to communicate with God. God desires to hear the sound of my voice, the cry of my heart, but he doesn't need it to sustain himself. But I do. You do. We need to communicate with the creator to sustain ourselves. Prayer is the greatest weapon at your disposal. It's powerful. It's pretty simple. And it's powerful in its simplicity. The question is, will you embrace the life of a warrior? Father, we are, um, 
And we are really good at praying when horrible things are going on. We're really good at praying when the bottom's falling out. We're really, really good at praying when we have exhausted every option and you are all that's left. We are really good sometimes at making you our last resort, but you should be our first resort, our own resort. You are our greatest benefit. And you love every prayer we pray regardless of where it is. Because you just love to hear what we have to say. Lord, I pray that we as a church family, but individually for the sake of our community, for the sake of lost people, for the sake of broken people, for the sake of hurting people, for the sake of our brothers and sisters who are struggling with stuff, that we will embrace the life of a warrior. There's nothing more fierce on the planet than someone who prays as if everything depends on you. That's what we want to do. That's how we have to pray. And that's my prayer, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand now. We're going to have a time of